guys, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Wild Cabin. I'm your host, Melissa Vera. Today, I'm so happy that you join me as I chat with my good friend, Melissa Harold, who is a licensed therapist. We're going to talk about all things COVID-19, as well as how to deal with some of the losses that we're feeling right now. Join in. Hi guys, I'm here with Melissa Harold. She's a licensed therapist and she's going to be talking about um, how to deal with COVID-19, how we can deal mentally with COVID-19. So Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Uh, sure. So Melissa, thanks for having me on today. Nothing like the Melissa and Melissa tag teaming together, right? Always good right. time. Um, so um, I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor with approximately 20 years of uh, years in the trenches, I guess you might say. But I've done a lot of work also in disaster recovery work over the last three years, uh, helping our communities recover socially and emotionally from impacts, particularly here in eastern North Carolina from Hurricanes Matthew and Florence. So walking into a pandemic after a back to back hurricane hit for our communities, particularly is difficult. Of course, this is a global event, so it's impacting every single person on the planet, um, which is just kind of a, a surreal thing when you think about that. So I'll talk a little bit about where we are in this process. Um, initially, when this all started, uh, we kind of all went into fight or flight. You know, you saw folks stocking up on things, uh, getting their home ready, almost like you really would before you anticipated a hurricane coming or something that you could kind of plan for. And then I think everybody kind of hunkered down and said, OK, OK, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Let's do this. Now we're kind of getting into this phase where folks are a little bit tired of this um, and it's starting to really wear on people. And the bad thing about that is we're going to be in this situation for quite a little bit longer. Um, and I think that's where the mental health piece begins to really take effect for people. Um, so one of the things I'm doing with my own clients in therapy is we do a lot of what's called grounding. Now, I have three teenagers and they do not like to be grounded. That is a bad thing. But when you are an individual who is experiencing a, an acute stress reaction, grounding is a really good thing. So what that means is we're outside of ourselves when we're feeling all of this uh, fear, uh, what's going to happen and we don't know. We get all up into what's called the amygdala of the brain and it just keeps us in this state of fear. So when we ground ourselves, what that helps us to do is to come back into the moment. And that's really where we want to be is in the moment. And that's hard for us, particularly those of us as, as Americans, because we live kind of for the future or a lot of times we may be stuck up on things in the past. Um, so grounding helps us to stay centered and in the moment. So one of the tips I've been sharing with my clients over the last several weeks is if you have, I know we all love our devices, our phones and our watches and things. Um, I've had them to set a reminder four times a day on their device and when that reminder goes off whatever they're doing um, they are to stop and to take five really deep breaths um, and the goal of those kind of breaths is to exhale longer than you inhale so if you inhale for four counts you want to try to exhale for six counts and as you continue to practice then try to exhale for eight counts so those five grounding breaths will just help to bring you back into your body and help you to be more focused as you're going throughout your day. 
So that's one of the techniques that um, is very helpful for people. And it's very one you carry your breath everywhere you go. Um, and that's very important uh, for what we're, we're looking at there. So really trying to stay in the moment. Um, there's so this this COVID-19, the information changes every minute. Um, and that's another thing I encourage folks is to watch out for how much you are staying on the news or what you're watching on social media. Um, those kind of things can actually just feed the fire. So checking the news once a day, particularly your local news, because county by county, things differ um, and adhering to what the guidelines are for that. So those are kind of some of the, the big ones for that. Also getting out into nature. Um, I know in my neighborhood, I've noticed a lot more people taking walks, riding bikes. Have you noticed that where you are? Yeah, a lot. And yeah, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, nature, by by its natural, what it is, nature, it is a grounding effect. So getting outside in and of itself just really helps us to feel um, more centered and able to kind of be in the present moment. Um, so that's another thing that can really be helpful, particularly for children. What do you think about this um, groups now that are demonstrating in Raleigh about the reopen North Carolina? What do you think about that? Do you think that's going to be hazardous to us or do you think it's something that, that politicians should look at? You know, I think that this is a very difficult situation. So I have a background and training in public health. So when I have my public health hat on, I say, we really have to um, respect this virus because it is so scary. Um, you know, early on it was be, you know, we were really trying to protect the vulnerable, but now we read stories about healthy people in their thirties, forties that succumb to this lung damage that happens so quickly with this. So from a public health standpoint, I say we need to really think very carefully before we do that. But also, I've owned a small business in my lifetime. And as a person who owns a small business, I understand the economic impact that that has on families. So I think we have to put the best minds around the table. If it's North Carolina, I think you've got to bring public health people to the table, economic people to the table and have these discussions around where's the middle of the road? Where, how can we help these businesses thrive while we're also protecting public health? Now, I know you're in the same situation that I am in having a senior this year in high school that it's the unknown. So let's talk about how we can help those that are either seniors in high schools, those that are have kindergarten graduations, those that are middle school graduations, those that are elementary school graduation. Also, along with the bride to um, weddings have been disrupted by COVID-19. Absolutely. As we were talking earlier, I mean, this touches everything in everyone's life. And, you know, there are times I think it can be we might want to minimize something for someone like, well, that's not a big deal. But to that individual, it is a big deal. You know, I mean, your wedding day, your senior graduation. I mean, our girls would have had a senior prom this coming up this Friday. Um, so how I'm approaching it with my own daughter and I will actually have my first blog in a year coming out on Friday that I'm really going to address this a little bit more. So um, that'll be a, a fun time to share with everybody. But, you know, it, they, they are they need to be allowed to grieve. And I'm hoping that one of the things that will happen is that they will get to have some of these celebrations. Um, I'm hoping for some of these uh, 
kids there, they will still get to have a graduation and, and prom or something to simulate closure for those things. One of the best things that we can do right now for our young people, as far as the children that are missing some of these moments, um, this is an incredible opportunity for us as parents to share with them that life is going to bring a lot of challenges. Um, we tend to as parents, I know as a mom myself, we want to shield our children from hurts and disappointments. But also from a therapist perspective, resiliency is built off of learning to cope with challenges. And as a therapist over the last 10 years, particularly, I see a lot of 20 somethings come in my office and they just really don't have any coping skills because they've never had to really deal with challenges. And so do I wish that our daughters were in this situation? Absolutely not. But I think when we get confronted with these things that we can't change and we can't control, we as parents have the opportunity to frame this in a way that they take something into life and say, you know what, just like what happened my senior year, life won't always go the way I plan it. But if I have a flexible mindset, I can get through this. So are there practical tips, though, that we can do with our kids maybe to help get their mind off of it? Is there anything that you suggest to do? Yeah, I think that this is a time to, you know, for example, I'll use my daughter as an example. She is a, an artist. She loves to paint. She loves to draw. And, you know, they've been so busy with school and academics that honestly, those things were collecting dust in her room. And so I've encouraged her and she on her own has spent a lot of time in her artwork. And so I think if your child has something that they either have not had time to do in a while, encourage them to pick that up or possibly some of these kids. I might have been one of those people um, didn't really have a hobby, so to speak. And so now's the time to encourage them to learn to do things that they want to do for their own interest um, and encourage them to explore some things. I also know we were talking before we came on about what our kids want to do in life. And they just don't get a lot of opportunities in school to do career exploration. Mm -hmm. So this is a fantastic time, I think, to look around online, see if you can connect with people who are at home that do the career you might be interested in. Just some ways to explore those things, I think, um, can be a good use of their time and help kind of keep their mind settled on. There is a bright future ahead. This is just a pause in the action. Yeah. What about those brides and the grooms actually too? Cause I know people kind of tend to leave the grooms out of the picture because That's normally true. it's all about the bride's day, but what about, what would you suggest for them? What should they do to help kind of relieve the stress? Cause I know it's gotta be stressful having to replan another wedding because I know when Maddie got married, my oldest, she, mm -hmm. it was like crazy time. And I was yeah. paying a, a wedding from across country. So. Exactly. Well, you know, I just recently saw a friend of mine that her daughter, uh, her son and, and to be daughter-in-law just rescheduled their wedding for, I believe, August. And but luckily for her, they were able to get all their same venues and things, which is pretty rare, but it did work out for her. So I think I would just encourage them as a couple to remind, to focus on, you know, the wedding is special, but they're starting out their life together. Um, and again, just sort of like with the kids. You're going to meet bumps in the road along the way when you're married. 
unless your marriage is perfect, maybe, <laughs> right? Um, marriage is a, is a, is a, a give and a take and there are going to be challenges. And so, you know what, they're kind of starting off with the initial challenge. Um, but I think if they want to postpone their wedding to have what they want, then good things come to those who wait. So, um, and I've seen other couples have just gone on and, and, and gotten married in small ceremonies and maybe later on they could have a big celebration and party with their family. I assume that's what some of them are, are going to do, but yeah, yeah. And the grooms, you're right. They do get left out. I also have another question kind of piggybacking on that one. What about these couples that are now like most of them half, both of them are work from home and they're with each <laughs> other 24 seven Luckily, Raul is still considered essential. So he is he's leaving. But, you know, for these people that these couples that have husbands, wives, significant others that are with them all the time, how can they deal when they're not? No, this is it? a very valid question. And as a matter of fact, um, you know, we have a, a, some hotlines that are set up for mental health across the state. And so we have a little powwow about what's coming in and what are the calls. And this has actually been one of the big ticket things. Um, and, and so I'm going to talk briefly about just relationship piece, but also something to be significantly aware of is that we are already seeing an uptick in domestic violence um, because of this. Um, and, you know, we have to remember that, you know, now people are quarantined with perpetrators and in da dangerous and difficult situations. And so there really are a lot of just so many uh, angles to this and, and what it brings you know you're, you're protecting health on one side we're, we're but we're also causing other issues over here but as far as just day-to-day -day relationships i think communication is always uh, our number one tool when we are in any kind of relationship and so i think you have to be honest with each other and say look what part of this is working for you? I don't really like it when you're sitting by me 24 seven when I'm trying to do my work or I need a break. And many of these families have not only the couple together, but now children are up in the house all the time as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you've got families that were, you know, primarily most families are what I like to call on the run. So the day was get up, go to work, go to school, run to activities. So this is a very different pace than the whole American family is used to, period. Um, so there's a lot of adjusting that has to go on with this. Um, but I think if you're a person that needs a lot of quiet personal space, that would be me. Um, you just have to <laughs> say to your partner, like, hey, I, I'm in my room. I'd like to not be interrupted for, for this amount of time. Um, you know, maybe if people want to go for walks, you go for walks separately. Sometimes you don't do everything always together. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is challenging. And, you know, another piece too, we talked about domestic violence here, but you know, the calls for reporting abuse and neglect in children are significantly down. And that sounds like a really good thing, but that doesn't mean there's less abuse and neglect going on. We've just lost all the eyes that were watching the children. So um, primarily children were at school. Reports came in from the school. Children aren't at school. They are home with folks who may be, you know, perpetrators for their situation. So, you know, it, as far as the behavioral health outcomes from this, you know, obviously we protect physical life and property first, but the social and emotional that's going to come, it's just going to be a lot.
Now let's talk about the small business owners because I know a lot of it will come back like a lot of stress that they're under. They may it may feed down into the family. So let's talk about how some small business owners can kind of decompress, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, having owned my own business for seven years, I do appreciate that stress. I mean, we used to say you eat what you kill. I mean, you know, if you're not bringing in income, there's no one floating your paycheck. That's very stressful for families, particularly if it's a family where the business is the family business and mm -hmm. that's that only source of income for them. I think about a lot of folks here in Wayne County who own restaurants or, you know, family led businesses. It's a big part of our community. Um, so I think what I would encourage folks to do in that situation is sit down and literally make a list of all the things that are stressing you about that business um, or how it's impacting you and your family. And then take that list worry by worry and say, OK, what can I realistically do about this particular piece? If there's something within your control that you can do to help with that, then you tackle it. If there's absolutely nothing that you can do, it's all without your control. You just have to put it away. I mean, there's really just nothing we can do about that. Um, and thankfully, there are some good programs that are looking to support small businesses. Um, get out there and look for those grants and loans and, and things that you can. And this is also a time to be humble and lean on people. Often, if you are a business owner, a small business owner, you're pretty independent pretty strong willed because it takes that kind of tenacity to run a business. So pride can get in our way sometimes. And so I would just encourage people. This is a time, you know, we're meant to live in community. And if you need help or, or support, reach out for it. Um, this is not the time to try to fix it yourself. How about and those that are being unemployed now because of COVID-19 that they're literally on, they literally have lost their job because they're not, they can't. The places have shut down. So, yeah. And I actually my sister is a small business owner. She's a hairdresser. So her salon has now been closed um, for that, the whatever length of time since the governor closed here in North Carolina. So I know she's definitely in that boat. And several of my own staff, we just wrapped up a program on March the 30th. And many of them were promised jobs in certain areas that have not been able to start because of this. Um, so the unemployment is a really big piece and unemployment is more than just financial resources. I myself was unemployed for six months and it was a very depressing time, more so than the money. It was a personal just lack of purpose and lack of a reason to kind of get up and be in the world. Um, you know, so unemployment has many, many. Uh, things. I think for those folks, my biggest uh, mental health advice would be to remind yourself that this is temporary and also to remind yourself that you are in a large, not a boat, but a ship of people who are in that same thing. Now, that does that discount your personal experience? No, but I do think it is a, a little bit different than when folks are unemployed and kind of they're they're on their own. The whole world seems to be going on around you and this thing's happening. You see there are lots of people who are in your same situation. Um, I think also it's a time to think outside the box. Uh, you know, hey, I have friends that are nurses that are furloughed. I mean, for goodness sakes. I mean, so maybe this is a time, hey, I'm going to uh, 
uh, pick up this side hustle over here doing some telemarketing at home. It's not really my dream come true, but it'll pay the bills right until I can get back to what I want to do. Yeah, like my side, my side hustle right now is coming on Facebook lives. I was actually in a challenge and I'm actually going to have the lady on tomorrow at seven, Cami Kennedy, and she's going to talk about the challenge and how it got me out of my comfort zone. But I've learned that I'm Ooh. different talents are coming up. So, you know, you and I have talked about this, about how we all need to come out with our different talents. And maybe that's the, what during this time we can all kind of discover new things that we love or new passions that we forgot about. Like you were talking about your kids um, loving being an artist and being yeah. able to paint now, whereas before it was always school, 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 school. But, you know, that's such a great point, Melissa, because I do think that as a society, we become so locked into the hamster wheel, so to speak, mm -hmm. and that we are kind of locked into things because of obligations and commitments and financial responsibility often. And I think this pause that we're all in is a great opportunity for people to say, do I want to go back to exactly how things were before? You know, like we talked about, resiliency is, is, is not acknowledging that we like this. We don't have to like it. Mm -hmm. But where is the opportunity in this to change and to grow? And so, you know, there may be people that walk away from this and say, man, that really was awful. And we certainly would not have wanted people to die, obviously. But are people going to be able to make some different choices? Some will. As a behavioral therapist, uh, the odds are that most people are going to just click, 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 click back into what they were doing. So I think if you find during this time that you're realizing there was a lot of dissatisfaction in the pace of life or the things that you were doing, you're going to have to make a really strong uh, effort to change those things. And that's a place where professional counseling can be helpful for a lot of people, because a lot of times people want to change behaviors, but they really just don't know how because, you know, it's very ingrained. Breaking habits is difficult. Mm -hmm. That's true. I know one thing, this is kind of lighter in the moment. I know that one thing that I've decided to do is get internet out here in the blog cabin because everybody's on the internet in my house and it's like, okay, I have to do a hot spot. No, it's true. Yeah. Well, and, and I think our, it's amazing to me that the whole internet just doesn't crash, period, between everybody Zooming and online schooling and, you know, we're telehealthing as therapists. So, you know, it's just, um, you know, and that's a place where I broadened myself because I've always been very anti teletherapy. I'm a very, I like to be in the space with my people and, mm -hmm. and I still love that. But I have found um, some really neat things about teletherapy for any of folks that are watching that have kind of been hesitant about wanting to do telemedicine. Uh, for me as a therapist, I get a really good glance into their world. Uh, you know, often if I'm talking with a mom, you know, her child might walk up and say something and I get to see that interaction. I've met their pets, you know, um, so you really kind of get this um, layer of dimension that you do not get when that person's just in your office. That's kind of cool to see a little bit of the background so you can maybe yeah. help treat them a little bit better. That's a great yeah. way, a great positive way to look at things. Now, you have a program that actually was postponed because of COVID-19. Tell us a little yes. bit about the program. Tell us about why. Tell us about when it was supposed to be, why, you know, why you ended up postponing it. And then tell us about the program. Sure. So um, the program is called Mama Needs a Minute. 
Um, and the, the idea, we were going to do the program the weekend before Mother's Day to kind of give moms a break and an outlet to go to. So even though it says mama needs a minute, it really is targeting all women in general, because whether you have birthed your own children, you've served as an aunt, as a mentor. A lot of women are in their grandmothering years. Um, even dog moms can be a part of mama needs a minute. Right. So. Um, what I was planning on addressing, and we are hoping to roll that back out in the fall or once we can be together safely again, um, really going to be talking a lot about what I was talking about earlier in the session with you here today. And that is how do we we as women keep ourselves calm and grounded and and really feel joy in our lives because as mothers and as women, we are caregivers, we are nurturers, we are pulled from multiple different directions. Those, some of us are chasing ambitions and careers and trying to balance all these things out. Um, you know, it just can be overwhelming. So the program would actually help you walk you through some actual mindfulness techniques, some meditations. Um, and the event would also, this one is actually from a Christian perspective. And so we would include some scriptures and some supportive um, things that go with that. Um, the, my whole point for kind of wanting to do that was actually as a fundraiser for Unearth Hope, which Unearth Hope is um, a new nonprofit that I'm very proud to be a founding board member of. And the goal of Unearth Hope is to empower women and children's health in Guatemala um, so that they can, you know, learn to walk out of poverty and live more empowered lives. Uh, I've loved my global health work. I've been doing this for since 2012, um, but in Guatemala since 2017, um, we go in, we pop up a clinic. Um, but we also do eyeglasses. It's so amazing to see particularly women who are in their 40s and 50s who, you know, we're all starting to go, oh, near far, near far with our vision. And once they're able to give them glasses, these women make their living off of needlepoint work and cloth design. And if you can't see, you can't sew, you can't make a living. So to watch a dollar pair of glasses from the Dollar Tree transform a woman's life and her ability to make an income is just so powerful. Um, and taking children into clinics, the the parasites, intestinal worms are a big issue for children. And twice a year, you can give these kids a pill and they are parasite free. And that means they're he more healthy. They can focus in school. Um, you know, more children die over in the world from diarrheal disease than anything else. And it's so preventable. Uh, it's just mind blowing. So we do a lot of health education, the days for girls kits, which are menstrual cycle reusable kits that the women can wash and reuse, which helps girls stay in school, helps women work. So um, I could just go on and on. But the profits from Earth Hope um, from the Mama Needs a Minute will go to uh, support the work that we do in Guatemala. And do you know, do you have a date for that at the moment or you're just waiting? No, but we'll let you know as soon as we get it. And now, now that you talked about Guatemala, talk about how COVID-19, since you're also public health is, was one of your degrees in, talk about um, how it's affecting these under, you know, the underworld countries, the countries that are underprivileged. Talk about yeah. that. 
So, you know, I think what has been very uh, a part of the nervousness and the, the very panic, for lack of a better word, in the U.S. is that, you know, our medical system generally can handle whatever you bring it. You know, I mean, we can do some pretty advanced things in our medical world here, um, you know. And so to think that we as a country with so such rich resources of medical knowledge and supplies and equipment, we're going to be overwhelmed by a medical question that then you have to say to yourself, what are people in developing nations doing to combat this? So, for example, you know, the areas that I'll use Guatemala as an example, they do have hospitals. But when you go to the hospital in Guatemala, your family member, the doctor will come in your room, would tell you what kind of medicine or IV or what you need. Your family member walks across the street and purchases those items from a pharmacy and brings it back over to the hospital. You oh, also wow. have to come to the hospital with your own towel, washcloth, whatever personal items you need. So it's very different, obviously. Um, and that just, you know, even the resources to pay for medical care um, is not there. So when you have access, um, whether there's even any access to care, then you have a lack of money and resources to fund for these. Um, and also, you know, look at what we're seeing here with COVID-19 and how important hygiene is. Basic hygiene, the number one preventative measure is washing your hands for 20 plus seconds with soap and water. You know, basic hygiene is broken down in many of these places already. I mean, women walk miles to get dirty water to bring to your family to use as it is. So when you already have a breakdown in hygiene, you're going to spread something quicker. One of my big concerns in developing countries would be refugee uh, camps. Um, They're going to be very similar to how quickly we see COVID-19 spread in a prison. Um, so you already have people who are immunocompromised because they're they're not eating nutritious foods. They're already displaced from a home. They're living in close proximity to one another. Um, that's definitely an issue. And in Guatemala and other Latin American countries, they recently had a, a, an outbreak of dengue fever. So that's caused a lot of health destruction and also a wear and tear on the already infrastructure, what little infrastructure they had for health at the time. So. Yes, like I said earlier, you know, we're not I'm not minimizing what we're facing here in the U.S. I would never say that to a family that just buried a family member of COVID-19. It's, it's very much it could touch any of our families and we do have to be careful about it. But I do hope that when this is all said and done, those of us who are blessed enough to live with access. Um, and yes, we have issues here in the U.S., but. It is very different than, you know, I'm thankful I didn't have to give birth in a birthing hut with no access to, first of all, pain medication, but access to, you know, if you start to hemorrhage in these countries, you know, you you're gone. Maternal mater, maternal deaths is a leading cause of death because of hemorrhaging and or your baby's not in a proper position that can't be delivered without C-section. Who's going to do it? Right. And where would you go to do it? So, you know, there's just a lot to think about. The fear that we're experiencing now as, as the U.S. is experienced every day 
in countries where outbreaks occur frequently. Um, you know, thousands of people died last year from the measles. I mean, that stuff runs like wildfire through various areas. Um, so I hope that we'll remember, you know, what we have and be willing to give back to others who are in more dire situations. Now, you touched on it um, in that last comment um, about funerals, how how to help people that are grieving during this time because they're not able to have the funerals like this to help with the grief. How about that? How do we do that? Yeah. So, you know, this has been a real, um, real personal issue for me. I've had a one good friend that's father passed away during this time and another friend who lost her father in law. And, you know, as a grief counselor, that funeral is very important because it signifies this this, you know, very final part of this. And also for the family members, you know, the hugs and the touches, the actual physical contact is so important in the grieving process. One thing I share with people about grief, if I go out and do presentations on grief for, for folks, you know, one thing I like to do if I have someone who loses someone close to them, I will take a buy 12 cards, one for each month and go ahead and and address them and put them in a place where I'll remember to send that person a card every single month. Because there's a lot of people there initially when people die. Mm -hmm. But what happens when it's been three months, four months, eight months? And, you know, that person lost their spouse, a significant grandparent, something very important. So one thing we can do is check in with people. It means a lot just to get a text. Hey, thinking about you, how's it going? And I know a lot of times in grief, people say, well, I just don't know what to say. Well, the worst thing that you can say is nothing, because that means that the person has no one there to support them. No one who is grieving is looking for you to fix it because you can't, whether they're grieving for a person or a personal loss in their life. But there's a lot to be said for being present for people. Um, and while we can't be present necessarily in the same physical space because of social distancing, you know, FaceTime them, text them, send them a card just so they know that they're not alone. Um, and maybe if you something special, you have a significant way for them to remember their person. That can be a, a great outlet as well. I know when my dad died, um, it wasn't during COVID-19 because it was in 2015. I got my mom a little heart and she wears it all the time now with his initials. And it was like in memory of and his mm -hmm. name on the back. And she wears it all the time. It's something that was close to her. So, you know, actually so funny. I was actually just getting ready to say that, you know, sometimes if it's a person like for you and your mother or my when my friend's uh, father passed his the mother was very special to me and I sent her a prayer bracelet that she could wear to remind her that people were praying for her. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can lend support to people. I mean, I remember when my father died, I was actually teaching at Protestant preschool and one of the mothers just sent me a very simple, uh, a photo album, like a small little photo album and just a little sweet note about she hoped I would fill it with pictures of wonderful memories. You know, that. think about it. That was 25 years ago Ooh, almost. And I remember. Yeah. And I remember that. So people remember significant little it doesn't have to be expensive. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's literally truly is the thought that counts. Yeah, I will tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell my audience that Melissa is amazing. 
Um, she actually was the counselor at my daughter, Maddie, who's now 25. Um, Maddie's going to kill me for saying this. Um, when Maddie um, was in kindergarten and we had problems with my husband's visa with his immigration. So he had to go back to Mexico. Um, Melissa would meet me every day at the door and take Maddie off of me, kicking and screaming so that she could, you know, so because Maddie was scared I was going to leave. When she, when I was out of her sight and she would walk her to class and she would you know call me and tell me she's OK, she's fine, you know, because mama's heart was hurting, too. And we had a little yeah. sister over here crying because Michaela wasn't in kindergarten yet. Right. But you know what you're talking about as far as um, being a therapist and a counselor and you're an amazing counselor. Oh, thank you. Well, it was easy to pick up that little cutie when she was crying because she was so cute. But yeah, and she didn't cry very that. long after you left, too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that. I knew it. Don't they always have something Rattling like your chain, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, tell people where we can find you. So um, people can log on to my website at um, www.rcc4u.com. And that stands for Resiliency Counseling and Consulting. So they can go on my website and look around. I have um, blogs on there from the past that they can read. All, almost all my blogs relate to mental health and mental wellness, how you can take care of yourself. Um, and also there are tabs on there for trainings and speaking engagements. So if people are in agencies, I know I just had a reach out this morning from an agency that wants me to do a virtual uh, training for them on how their staff can be more resilient um, as they come back into the workforce after being out. Some of them are very concerned about, you know, how do you re-enter this space when you're still a little bit iffy about what's going on? Um, so, and like I said, I'll have a new blog coming out Friday and look forward to sharing that with everyone on Friday. Are you still on Facebook as well? Yes, I am. Yes. So what, what are you on Facebook? Um, it's, it's, uh, RCC for you. RCC. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Melissa, for spending yeah. this time with us today and talking. Thank you um, for I'm having sure me. I'm sure as people hop on, because we only had a couple hop on, I'm trying to different times to see that I'm sure they're going to have questions. And I'm going to actually put your link to your um, site in the comments sure. so that people can know or put it up there in the top so people can come visit you. But thank you so much for doing this for me. Yeah, it was fun. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Chats from the Blog Cabin. I hope you learned a lot from Melissa. I know I did. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.